Well, church, we're going to invite you to keep standing um, as we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 11. This year, we're going to be looking at these faith stories of these characters throughout the Bible, many of whom are mentioned in Hebrews 11 as what's sometimes called this hall of faith. And these examples that have been laid before us, we can look at and we can see here is a particular character who even though he or she was flawed, God still used them and was faithful. And so as we read this morning uh, from Hebrews 11, after I read this passage, uh, I'm going to say, after we've read this, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord, and your response will be, thanks be to God, after we've read through Hebrews 11. So here now from Hebrews 11, starting at verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that is in keeping with faith. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And by faith, even Sarah who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants and numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead, and so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. 
By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith of the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David and Samuel and the prophets. Who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and became powerful in battle, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and holes in the ground. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. We thank you for the foundation that it gives to us. And Father, as we come into this place, some come rejoicing, some come celebrating, others come mourning, others come in pain. So wherever we are in our journey, whatever we bring into this place, would you guide us now? Father, I pray that my words are clear, that they're helpful, that they're true, and I ask that you burn off whatever doesn't do those things. Holy Spirit, be our teacher this morning. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning. My name's Jason. I'm really glad that each and every one of you is here today, wherever you are in your faith journey. Some of you, when you heard Hebrews 11, that is familiar territory. You know all those names, you know the stories, and your heart swells and your mind enlarges as you think about those stories. Others of you, there's a lot of names I have never heard of. And some of you are like, as I hear that list, there's some 
there's some nasty stuff that went on in some of those stories. So it's like, how can God work through people such as this? Well, I'm excited to start a new year, and I'm excited about our focus this year in faith stories. In our first series, we're simply calling Founding Faith, and we're going to look at uh, some of these characters, some of these real people in these stories that are part of our founding faith. This morning, though, we're going to, to drill down on a couple verses. Don't worry, we're not going to get to all the stories in here. <laughs> but we're going to talk about really the concept of faith and how we understand faith. But I want you to think about a few questions this morning because I believe these questions are going to guide us today and really throughout the year. Because I believe that God has great things in store for us. I believe that wherever you are, wherever we are in our journey, there are things that God is showing us. There are ways that God is shaping us. And there are ways that God is really preparing us to be able to share with others. And really, you know, kind of a bottom line for this morning, very simple, is God is shaping us to share our faith stories. God is shaping us wherever you are, whatever story you've got. God is shaping you today. God is shaping you this week. God is shaping us to be able to share our faith stories. So this morning, we're going to dive in and we're going to look at a few verses from Hebrews and really we're going to build our bridge of faith. And I want to start you with this question, what is God showing us? What is God showing us? What is God showing you, showing me, showing us about faith? And I want to take you to this classic verse, Hebrews 11.1. 1. It says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is one of those generic words in our culture. What does faith mean? It kind of depends on whoever is defining us. Well, I want to give us a solid biblical definition of faith. And then we're going to look at kind of how God unfolds this concept with the biblical story of faith, and then we can get into what does it really look like for us. But when we think about faith, faith is confidence. Another translation, if you're old school King James, faith is the substance of things hoped for. Let's be fancy and let's do a little Greek this morning. Hypostasis, this word substance, confidence. Hypostasis, it looks like hypostasis is what it looks like. Are we awake enough to do a little Greek this morning? If you're hypoglycemic, what does that mean? You've got low blood sugar, so hypo is low, it's what's under. Stasis is to stand or place. So when we think about faith, hypostasis, it is that which is underneath us. 
It is that which we are standing on. It is a foundation. It is a foundation. Now, our foundation is not just in a concept, but it is in the person of Jesus Christ. Let me take you to a verse earlier in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 1, 3. The sun is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation. That exact representation, that's where we see this hypostasis. That's where we see that word of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So when we think about this concept of faith, this definition of faith, this understanding of faith, there is a substance on which it is based that is solid. And that is Jesus Christ himself. That Jesus really was born. He is the Word made flesh. We just celebrated that a few weeks ago. And that he lived and he he lived a perfect life and he, he died on the cross and that really happened. That is an objective fact. Whatever is or is not going on inside our brains, that actually happened. And he rose from the dead. That is the substance. That is what God is showing us. That is what is true. That is a foundational piece. Now, as we look back and we see what the ancients were commended for, this big long list... And there are some ugly things that happened. How many of you are starting a a reading through the Bible program this year? A lot of you are. Anybody in the book of Genesis right now? It's a common place to start. I'm telling you, if you haven't read Genesis in a minute or you've never read it, there are some shocking things that happen. And when I read that, I'm encouraged because I see that God works through imperfect, flawed people. And we get the unvarnished version in the Bible. But there's a particular way that we are to look at these ancient stories. And Jesus is going to give us this guide for us in Luke 24. This is after Jesus is risen. He is on the road to Emmaus. And he says this. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Jesus is going back. All these folks that we've listed in Hebrews 11, all the Old Testament, he's going to say it all points to me. Everything points to Jesus. That is the foundation of our faith that is the objective part so part of what God is showing us is the reality the substance of that foundation 
the reality, the substance of that foundation. And there's a learning process in that. Let me take you to verse 3 of Hebrews 11. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. So there is an understanding process that the writer of Hebrews commends these folks for and that we are to go through. We are to understand what is under where we stand. Think about that for a minute. What is underneath where you are standing? What is that solid foundation of your faith? Now, to get that, I believe God is calling each one of us to be students of the Word, to be learners. Now, i got to confess to you for just a minute. I love God's Word, but I, am a, I tend to be a mercenary reader. Here's what I mean by that. I tend to go to the Bible for what I need. I read what I need. If I'm going to preach on something, that's what I read. If I'm going to teach on something, that's what I read. If I'm going through something, that's what I'm going to read. And that's well and good. But where I believe the Lord is convicting me a little bit is to say, um, I need to flip that and need what I read. And by that, I mean I need a big picture of the Bible. Because I can be on a roller coaster of circumstance and feeling and just go to what matches up. Sometimes I need to have the humility, really all the time I need to have the humility to say, I'm going to sit under the Word and I'm going to look at the big picture of God's Word. So I can get the big story and I can, I'm not building that foundation, that foundation is there, but I need to see that it is actually there. So here's what I did practically. I'm, if you're like me, you're, you're a technological hybrid. On the one hand, you're trying to just stay out of a progressive commercial, not do anything really stupid with technology. So I got some of that, and I'm kind of old school too. And I said, you know what, this year I'm going to buy a new Bible. Large print, anybody with me? I know my audience. And I'm going to get an actual read-through-the-Bible plan. Okay, it's on the back of your prayer card today. And I'm going to have the discipline to just say, I don't care what I'm preaching on or teaching on. I need to be in the Word, or regardless of what I feel. I need to be in the Word in a program, a discipline, every day. And check it off. That's a good thing. Sometimes routine and discipline gets a bad name. In church, how are we just going through the motions? Well, sometimes, but discipline's a good thing. Plans are a good thing. Accountability is a good thing. So that's just me. That's what I'm doing. You can you can take that challenge and join me in that. So there is a an objective faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I need to see that. I need to be shown that. But then it gets personal. Because it's not just a substance that we stand on, it is a confidence, an assurance that says this is real. Now, we broke the bank on sermon illustration props this year. There is also a part of this 
when I think about our faith bridge, there is a part of this that is like the decking. I was going to make this like four, four stones high, but staff said there's no way you're going to do that. But when you think about that, we have to actually live in real life. We don't just stand still on that foundation. We have to be able to walk across. We have to go through the ups and downs of life and and answer the question, how is God shaping us? How does my life, the decking of my life, the, the, the path on which I am walking, how does it actually connect to that foundation? How is God shaping us? How is God shaping you? How is he shaping me? The writer of Hebrews challenges us a little bit. It says very simply, without faith, verse 6, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's the why underneath all those questions. We want to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him, to earnestly seek him regardless of my circumstances, regardless of my feelings. And at the same time, there is a subjective, in my brain, in my heart, personal experience of life with God that he is shaping. Now, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, is going to give us a little help with this. He says this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 5. Now, the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home In the body, we are away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. We live by faith, not by sight. Now, work with me on the picture here, this picture of faith. There is a subjective inside my own heart and brain that is a component of faith. We have the substance, we have the the reality of the big story of the Bible, we have the reality of the resurrection, we have all these things, and my, my life, my walk, the decking of my life here is attached to that foundation. Now, if I were to take away, oh my goodness, That's a shaky board. Some of you walk that way. And you're like, my walk of faith, I lack confidence. I lack that assurance. Now, I want to suggest to us this morning that the more we are open to what the Holy Spirit would teach us, the more that we have other people in our lives to encourage us, the wider this can be. 
the more confidence I can have as I walk by faith. Part of our challenge, part of our opportunity this year is how do we widen this decking where my life actually is in contact with the very foundation of our faith. And we have the very Holy Spirit, the down payment, the sign, the guarantee of what is to come. Because here's the deal, when we talk about building something, we talk about the architect of our faith, the more confidence we have in the builder, the more confidence we have in our walk of faith. I had a wild idea several years ago. I was going to take out one of the walls in the center of our house to open up the house. It happened to be the center wall, the load-bearing wall, and I thought, no problem. There's this thing called the internet, <laughs> YouTube. I can figure out how wide that beam has to be, what kind of material, no problem. Now that same day, we just so happened to be sitting out on my deck, and my son-in-law fell through one of the planks on the deck. Well, his chair went through. He didn't fall all the way. What do you think that did to my family's confidence in me as a builder? It was shot. The wall is still there. That's a good thing. But my point is simple. The more confidence we have in the architect, the more confidence we have in that foundation, the more confidence we have as we have the Holy Spirit, as we have others who remind us and say, hey, that foundation is really there. It is really there. Whenever I drive across a big bridge, like you know, going into Louisville or in Florida or something, I'm amazed at how they ever built these things. And we just see the, the exposed part. But I think about how deep those piers went. How solid that foundation is. And part of our learning process is to be able to see that, to be able to see that. And that is what is shaping us. That's why we need the Word. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. That's why we need other people who can say, hey, I, I'm with you. I could extend the metaphor and widen it out, and we can walk together and have rails, and I can, I can make a big extended metaphor. I won't do that. But I simply want to make the point that we have opportunity to widen the decking, to strengthen the decking, to get it tighter to our foundation. Now, these things are well and good. And there's a habit of being a student of the Word. There's the habit of actually having time to hear from the Holy Spirit. If I don't rest, if I don't get any sleep, if I don't have any space on my calendar, I am not going to be able to hear from the Spirit. If I don't make any time for other people to encourage me, for me to encourage them, then I'm just walking on one plank. Or I could even turn it up on its edge, and maybe it's a little bit more like that. So one of the action steps is to say, I, I need to devote some time. 
I need some habits to be able to receive. Now, there's a third part of this, though. There's a third part. Who will you share a part of your faith story with this week, this month, this year? This is not a guilt and shame challenge. This is a reality that says we were created not simply to stay in one place. We were created not simply to see what God is showing us, to not simply experience the hope of Jesus, but we are created to share that experience, to share that hope. Let me take you to another passage from Paul, 2 Corinthians 5.14. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. It is the love of Christ that compels us, that motivates us, that gives us the why to say, you know what, there may be somebody out there that I need to reach. There may be somebody out there that I need to love. I love Carrie's story. I love the story of the refuge. I love the story of extending that love to those who are most in need. So as we strengthen our own foundation, as we make these connecting points, there are more bridges to build. One more verse from Paul, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. So, Let's talk about the year. Let's talk about this week. Let's talk about 2023. Let's talk about your life, my life, our lives together in this community on the south side. We believe that God is calling us as a church to build bridges into our community. Bridges into our community. Carrie said it, everybody's got pain. It's interesting when you think about pain, pain is just awful. Otherwise, you wouldn't call it pain. There's physical pain, there's spiritual pain, there's emotional pain. But there's one thing that pain does is pain can give us an opportunity to connect with others. Pain gives us an opportunity to connect with others. DeMar Hamlin, if you saw that, the football player that I think miraculously, it was amazing. I'm watching a little bit of football last night and hearing the commentators talk about prayer and talk about how everybody was united in that. It's just a sliver, but that's what pain does. Pain tends to say, you know what, I can't handle this all by myself. I need to get other people involved. There's a bigger perspective. There's a, I don't have all the power. I don't have all the answers. And we, we saw just a glimpse of, glimpse of that 
But in our own lives, in our own community, I believe that God is leading us to build some bridges together. We've talked about three bridges. The bridge of mental health. We have lots of people who are struggling at a clinical level, but guess what? Everybody has mental health. Everybody needs help. We need each other. We all need some tools in our toolkit that help us listen, that help us be actually helpful with whoever is around us. It's a double click on love. We have a bridge of family ministry where it's, yes, it's about students, it's about kids coming together, learning, and it's also about parents being equipped because I think it's a real challenge right now. It's hard to be a kid, it's hard to be a parent, and we want to do all we can as a church to help build these bridges. And then the third bridge, and Matt alluded to it just a moment um, in our announcements, but that is the, the bridge of gospel conversation. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, when you look out at our community and you look out at the world, there are many things that we see that we would say, I'm not sure that is in alignment with the gospel. There are many social issues, there are many topics, there are many controversies that we will look at and say, how do I think through this biblically? How do I develop a deep understanding of the Word that I can not only have my own foundation, that I can not only have the confidence to be able to approach somebody, but that I actually have a deep love and empathy that compels me to be able to have a conversation with a neighbor, with a friend, a family worker, a family member, a coworker who may think differently than me. I believe we need some equipping on that. We need some help. There are issues around sexuality and gender and politics. We're in a divisive world right now. Last time I checked, it's not getting any better. But as ambassadors, if I'm an ambassador, it means my identity is in Christ. I have this objective foundation, this subjective confidence, and I actually care about my neighbor. I am for my community. I'm not there as a warrior to smash. I am an ambassador to share, as if Christ were making his appeal through me. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do. So we need some confidence in that. We need some equipping in that. That's why I'm going to take five weeks and just walk through a biblical understanding about how we can think as ambassadors about some of the issues that are coming down the pipe. This is not a, I've got the last word on everything. Jason's gone up to the mountaintop and he's got perfect clarity on how to handle every difficult social issue with perfect love and grace, with perfect grace and truth. This is the opportunity to have a gospel conversation about how 
we can give a reason for the hope that we have in the context of the times that we're in. So I'm excited about it, a little very humbled by the, the, the topics and, um, and the challenges. So uh, I just hope you'll, hope you'll join me on that on Wednesdays. Now, these bridges that I believe we're called to walk through or walk on, really we can only do that um, because of what Jesus has done for us. Whenever I think about a bridge of bringing people together, I'm reminded of what Jesus did for us to build that bridge for us. Because what Jesus did, what he did on the cross, and what we're going to remember when we come to the communion table together, he who knew no sin became sin for us. He paid that penalty for us so that we could have a relationship with the Father. And when we come to the communion table, that's what we remember. Now, Matt and the team are going to lead us through a song, and you're going to have an opportunity to reflect. You're going to have an opportunity on your own to come forward and receive the elements. And you can just take them back to your, back to your seat, have a time of reflection, and when you're ready, you can receive the bread and the cup. And here at Community Church, if you are a follower of Jesus, your bridge may still be under construction. Mine is. You can come to the table, but you've taken that step of faith, and you said, I do trust in Jesus. I do have my confidence in him, and that's the starting point. So we're, uh, if you've taken that step, you're open to receive with us, and we remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he gathered his disciples in the upper room, and after giving thanks, he broke the bread and gave it to them and said, this is my body given for you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. My blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sin. So that's what we remembered and that's what we're invited to participate in. Would you, would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you for your love for us. We thank you for all that the bread and the cup represent. And Holy Spirit, as we reflect and as we come to the table would you guide us it is in jesus name that we pray amen